0: Welcome to the Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers and providers.
1: And I'm Igor Bilikranitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. On the Next in Health podcast, we cover the entire healthcare ecosystem with a particular focus on the new models and technologies and algorithms that are coming out to help us make sure that we can deliver great health outcomes and leave no one behind. And a person in an organization that's doing very important work in this space is featured on our podcast today. We're very lucky to have with us, Chris Barnett. He's the CEO of ABA Centers of America, and it's an organization that's focused on providing more advanced, more compassionate, and more convenient support for children with autism. So, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Chris, uh, when we bring organizations to the podcast, we usually start with their origin story. Where did they come from? Why do they exist? What do they do? How did they even come into existence? And what's the problem they're trying to solve? So I'm wondering if you could tell us the origin story of ABA. I'd be honored to.
2: We're uh, we're really proud of our organization. it's actually a, a, pretty interesting story. So I am a healthcare entrepreneur known own a number of healthcare entities, and I have a daughter that is on the spectrum and some other family members. And so what I was able to do is see how parents were forced to navigate this system, which really has a lack of supply for all the demand out there. And so at a certain point, I struggled for years to get access to a diagnosis for my daughter. And at a certain point, I said, you know, it's just not good enough. And with the resources that I have, I think I can do this better. And I think we can help a lot of people that are really in need of help. And so we started our organization in Q4 of 2020 with one clinic. And uh, we brought on our first client. And here in a few short years, we are servicing 800 kids across multiple states. And we're really trying to make an impact in as many lives as we can. Because of our origin, the way that we run our business is, um, you know, all of our decision making is under the guise of what kind of care, what I want my daughter and my family members to get, because it's near and dear to my heart. It's not just a business for me. When I started this company, because there's so much unmet demand, a lot of my competition has a very rigid box in order for them to take somebody into care. So it has to be in clinic services. It has to be 40 hours a week. It has to be highly impacted, high level of support's necessary. It has to be this. And what that does is it creates these massive holes that my daughter and others that, that, that have, you know, ASD-1 instead of maybe ASD-3, which is a different diagnosis, they fall through. Um, and so I wanted to be a place for them.
0: That's beautiful, Chris. Thank you for sharing um, just the, the origin of how ABA came about. Um, that's wonderful. Chris, let's dig a little bit more into it. Could you tell us more about applied behavioral analysis and what's important for our audience to know about this methodology?
2: So I think it's important for you to understand that the way that we utilize applied behavioral analysis is with the reward system. So we do play-based care. Um, and so it's, it's behavior modification through a reward system. It's not punishment, it, there's not a negative connotation. Uh, we seek to change lives by helping to change behavior. And when we do that effectively, it has an impact on a lot more lives than just our, our, our patient, uh, the person on the spectrum. So, you know, we keep it very, uh, very front and center in our minds that when we help a patient, we're helping their siblings, we're helping their caregivers, we're helping their teachers and their ballet instructors and their t-ball coaches. Um, so we we seek to make an impact on lives in the communities that we serve. And we do it through reward-based
1: applied behavior analysis. That's really fascinating. And, you know, play is, is a very serious <laughs> and, and, and important thing. And we have been using it with our own workforce as we are upskilling everyone, for example, on artificial intelligence and then using games and trivia to test people's knowledge of, of the new concepts. But since you brought up play-based therapies, very curious to hear kind of what they are and how you're using them to achieve achieve better outcomes, better experiences. So one example
2: would be some of the kiddos that we treat are nonverbal. And so uh, we we work with them for them to be able to communicate with their caregivers and their family members. And one of the ways that we do it is each of our clinics has this state-of-the-art sensory gym. I mean, these incredible gyms. A lot of neurotypical kids have access to other brands, but a lot of our neurodiverse kiddos, they don't get access to that. Um, and so we we way overdo it with these sensory gyms so that, so that our kiddos can experience the same thing. And so one of the ways that we'll work with, say, a nonverbal uh, person on the spectrum is, we try to teach them how to ask for more. And so if they love if they love the swing, we'll, we'll put them on the swing and we'll push them and they'll, they're having a great time and then we'll stop. And what we'll do is we'll get them to hand signal wanting more and then we'll start again. That's what I mean by play-based therapy. And so what we've done in essence is teach them how to communicate. And so, you know, I, when I talk to people about what I do for a living and what my team does for a living, you know, we give communication at times to nine-year-olds with their parents you know we help parents that have a nine-year-old in their house that have never been able to communicate with that nine-year-old and after a few months of of our care we give them communication with their kids that's what i get to do for a living
0: that's awesome um i love i love the inclusion and the diversity definitely definitely a challenge um Chris, speaking of just challenges and issues, I think one of the biggest issues we see in the health industry is just the shortage and burnout of caregivers. And of course, behavioral health space is certainly no exception. How do you take care of your caregivers?
2: You know, that's really important to me. Um I used to have a friend that would say, uh, in healthcare, we take really healthy people and we turn them unhealthy and then we re- reward unhealthy people. And uh, and so that is front and center on our minds also. So some of the things that we do um, are centered around, you know, Richard Branson says, if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your clients and customers. Um, and I believe that. And I've ran my businesses like that for decades. And so some of the things that we do is we have a far reduced caseload. So it is not atypical in our space for a board certified behavior analyst to manage 20 to 30 kiddos at a time on their caseload. In our system, sometimes it's as little as seven or as much as 10 or 11. Um, And it allows them the time to provide truly boutique care. The other thing that we do is we take care of our team members with benefits. At the end of the day, I want the best team members in the industry. I want the creme de la creme uh, because that's what my daughter would deserve. And so, the way that we attract them is we do stuff like, you know, um, we have industry leading maternity leave. A lot of our workforce is predominantly female, childbearing age. Uh, we have industry leading benefits for maternity leave, full paid over multiple, multiple weeks. We do stuff like matching 401ks. We want to help our team members prepare for their future and retirement. Uh, we run our business in a way that takes care of the people that take care of our clients. And I think that's one of the secrets to our success. I mean, there aren't many businesses that without, you know, any private equity infusion of capital, um, have gone from, you know, two employees in Q4 of 2020 to 1700 plus today. Our model is working. The market is receptive to it and our clients are getting industry leading outcomes, which is, I know, an important aspect of your of your podcast, because an amazing thing happens when you take care of your team members and you hire the best of the best and you allow them to focus on really treating the patients, you get better patient outcomes. And
1: that serves us well and is allowing us to grow the way that we've been growing. I love it. I love it. Uh, Chris, we have these endless debates about whether we should be talking about patients or customers and, and kiddos is a, is a far superior term I believe that you're using. So I really, really appreciate that. And so <laughs> you talk a lot about uh, taking care of kiddos and, and of your team members and clearly this is very important to you. And we know that the best models combine high tech and high touch. And you've you've talked a fair bit about high touch already, and I want to talk a little bit about high tech, and that can be on the front end with some of the new technologies like virtual and extended reality. It could be on the back end with better algorithms and decision making and insights. But tell us how you're using technology to to take better care of the kiddos and the, and the team members. So I own a tech company also
2: that is seeking to disrupt healthcare with artificial intelligence. Uh, Healthcare is in the list of sectors in our economy. Healthcare is near last on adoption for tech and AI. It's an antiquated uh, system. And so we incubate all of our products with our business. So we are using tech at a more rapid rate with more deployments. I have a hundred plus Full-time employees that are engineers, front-end, back-end, writing code. We wrote all our own proprietary EMR system that allows our clinicians to spend less time in front of a computer and more time in front of a kiddo. Um, so we are we are deploying artificial intelligence for stuff such as scheduling, uh, best practices for for clinical recommendations. It's allowing, you know, ABA is a data science. And so it's allowing our clinicians to access millions of data points at the click of a button in order to get the most, um, the most effective outcome driven treatment protocol recommendations. Now in our system, our clinicians make all the treatment decisions, but what we'll, our tech allows them to do is harness the data so that they can make the most informed decisions possible. They know their clients the best. So our system doesn't make those decisions, but it gives them access to data.
0: So, Chris, that's great to hear about the AI and the tech enablement and really using the data to further advance the cause. Um, Just to wrap it up, what can you tell us about what's next for ABA Centers of America?
2: What's next is growth. Um, so we talk about, we have this thing we use internally called the best cheeseburger. Um, and everyone can think about what it felt like to taste that best cheeseburger and it's different for each person, but, uh, we use that analogy. And so what I talk to my team about is we have, we've created this best cheeseburger that's getting these incredible outcomes and changing lives. And now it's our job to feed the masses. So there are kiddos all over the country and markets I'm yet to enter that are, that are waiting on somebody's waiting list or not able to access a diagnosis like my daughter wasn't. And I want to disrupt that. And my team and I work tirelessly to try to spread and grow ABA Centers of America so that we can offer life-changing care to those that need it.
1: Chris, that's a fantastic story and uh, really appreciate you joining us today and sharing your insights and your enthusiasm. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Thank you for shedding a spotlight in this area. There's so much unmet demand and there's so many kiddos that deserve care. And it's, it's nice that we're getting some traction with our model and helping impacts of lives.
1: For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And that way you can also get all the great future episodes as well as the great past episodes. Until next time. This has been Next in Health. So I just want to add a little postscript. Um, After we finished recording this episode and following the, the script that we had, the whole crew here on the podcast and it takes a whole team to record it. We continue talking to Chris because we're just so fascinated by his story and the organization that he has created and the mission that he's serving. And so we, we continued this kind of unscripted discussion. And then one of our team members shared a personal connection that she had to this topic, uh, and a family member. And it was remarkable because Chris immediately offered to help and had very specific steps that he could do to help and offered his personal mobile number. And it just really struck us as such an immediate and great proof of the kind of committed and passionate leader that he is and, 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 and how he exemplifies the mission that he's living every day through his organization. So just so remarkable for all of us and I wanted to get it on record. Copyright 2023. PwC. All rights reserved. PwC refers to the
2: PwC network and or one or more of its member firms, each of which is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.